ready to talk sports with one of the leading sports journalists of today? Welcome to All Around Sports with John Inglesby. John's years of experience as a journalist has allowed him to net exclusive interviews with the top players, former players, commissioners, and owners. John and his guests are ready to give you the straight word when it comes to sports. Now, let's talk All Around Sports. Here's your host, John Inglesby. Voice America listeners, welcome to the 205th ever show of All Around Sports. Reach Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time, we broadcast live from Boston to go all around the world of sports for one hour to discuss what happened this week and what's coming up for the weekend. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net, which comes to me through my website at iirsportsoneword.com. As always, I will give you my highlights, lowlights, and bizarre news items from the past week. Also, we will be joined later by our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Let me first get started with the event of the week that I will be covering, which is tomorrow's WNBA All-Star Game at Mohegan Sun Arena uh, down in Connecticut. And... Looking forward to it. All of New England is excited for this event. Uh, they've certainly had it here before, and uh, as they did with the WNBA draft. And uh, it should be great. Uh, all the stars will be there from Tamika Catchings and Tina Charles, Elena Deladon, and Shoni Schimmel for. Uh, for the East, as well as for the West, Simone August, Augustus, Sue Bird, uh, Brittany Griner, and Maya Moore. So, an all-star lineup, to be sure, and can't wait to go. It's on ABC at 3.30 tomorrow afternoon, Saturday, and uh, sure to be a great event. I can't wait to get there and uh, talk about it on my show next Friday. But looking back, my highlight of the week was the drama of the Open Championship over at St. Andrews, uh, seemingly uh, all weekend long, and was in fact a long weekend, spilling into the final round on Monday and culminating on Monday in a playoff where Zach Johnson outdueled Louis Oosthuizen and Mark Leishman in a pretty unique four-hole playoff. Dozens of players, including many big names, were within striking distance of the lead heading into Monday, uh, when, of course, the final round was played due to even crazier than normal weather. Uh, the weather is always crazy for the British Open, which is what makes it such a fascinating event every year. Good reason to get up early in the morning for four days in the middle of July, and uh but this year was crazier than normal. The winds on Saturday forced them to basically call off play like a half an hour into uh, into the round and then made an early Saturday decision to basically, uh, you know, move the final day to Monday, which was uh, somewhat controversial. Met with a lot of discussion, to put it mildly, and, uh, you know, but the winds were just off the charts. They were literally moving balls. 
that were sitting there on the green or on the fringe, uh, creating lots of confusion. There was a shot that I'm sure all of you who watched saw where they held a, a, a bottle of water sideways and literally the wind was taking the water and like sending it out horizontally. It was uh, a shot they showed over and over. So yeah, it was really uh, just a fascinating event. Uh, start to finish always is. Last year I was in Dublin when Rory McIlroy uh, made his charge to take the lead and eventually win. Uh, that was at Royal Liverpool, literally uh, right across the water from Dublin itself. So it was like a spectacular venue to be. If I couldn't be at Royal Liverpool, the next place, best place to be on the planet was across across the bay in Dublin. It was awesome. But that leads uh, into my low light of the week, which was, of course, still sticking with the open, Jordan Spieth, losing his bid for the first Grand Slam in many decades, calendar Grand Slam, despite the fact that he was right there until his final putt on the 18th. Um, but the one that did him in was the 17th, where he got a bogey, he, and uh, then that did him in, just that simple. Uh, what he did on the 18th, uh, he went for it. Um, what was a tricky putt off, uh, you know, on the fringe, up and down a gully, uh, came very, very close, but it didn't go in. <clears throat> and uh, that was that. Um, all sports fans like to see history. And it reminded me a little of Tom Watson a few years back at the very same British Open when he was trying to win it at around uh, age 60. And that was riveting, and that just fell apart for Tom on the 18th hole on Sunday, and he eventually lost in a playoff to Stuart Sink. So this was somewhat reminiscent of it. Uh, again, literally on the, the edge of your seat, about to watch you know, iconic golf history, like a step above just golf history, stuff you, we might never see again in our lifetime. We certainly haven't seen one uh, unless you're really old <laughs> in, in your lifetime. Um, but unfortunately, Jordan could not complete the task after being literally on the brink of an all-time memory for all of us. There was other great moments, uh, in, you know, and and anguish as well. I mean, Jason Day, uh, you know, not making uh, a putt on the 18th that would have gotten him into the playoff. And he has just been nipping at the heels of winning a major for so long. Uh, very disappointing. He was very emotional when he missed the putt, as you all could see. Uh, Sergio Garcia was in the mix, so there were certainly a lot of people for pulling for him. Uh, to win his first major, but of course, uh, really the the ultimate highlight, because uh, I've been touching on some of the lowlights, but the ultimate highlight was, of course, Zach Johnson nailing a lengthy putt on the 18th to get in the playoff. Uh, sure, he would be in the playoff, barring a miracle by one of the other players, and then he delivered, and uh, he had won the Masters. There's only a handful of people who have won both the Masters and the British Open at St. Andrews, so he joined some elite company. 
certainly a likable guy. You know, he's uh, had a nice career. We all remember when he won the Masters, and we'll certainly all remember him winning uh, the British Open. It was uh, some pretty special stuff on a pretty special weekend, to say the least. My bizarre story of the week was the United States losing to Jamaica in the CONCACAF Gold Cup semifinal match on Wednesday at a sold-out Georgia Dome. Uh, Bizarre with the call on the goalkeeper, the U.S. goalkeeper, uh, which um, set Jamaica up. They were the 74th ranked team, 76th ranked team in the in the world. America was the 34th. <clears throat> Lengthy list of firsts connected with this low light, shall we say, of you know America losing Gold Cup on their home turf hasn't been done uh, in a long while, if ever. And uh, Philadelphia for Sunday night, the final. Between what will now be Jamaica and Mexico, already sold out, obviously, partly due to a lot of people's and fans' assumption, obviously, myself included, that, uh, you know, the USA would be in there and probably be against Mexico, and that's a match that's going to sell out anytime, anywhere, let alone for a Gold Cup championship. And as you listeners know, I covered the Gold Cup a couple weeks ago tonight. Uh, I was up here at Gillette, USA. Uh, beat Haiti and uh, and Panama played Honduras and lo and behold uh, there was Panama again Wednesday night and talking bizarre uh, that was a bizarre game as well the other semifinal on Wednesday night is uh, you know a very questionable penalty was called uh, against Panama and Mexico won uh, and on a PK and the PK kicker from Mexico actually said uh, it was such a bad penalty that he actually thought about missing it, which was, again, really bizarre. And that, had he missed it, that would have been beyond bizarre, especially on purpose. But he didn't. He made it. They won. They advanced. And uh, so, again, just all in all, just a bizarre Wednesday night at the Georgia Dome for uh for the CONCACAF Gold Cup and now again the final set sold out Lincoln Financial Field where the Philadelphia Eagles play uh home of the Army Navy game and uh sold out Sunday night 7:30 Eastern time should be a good one but again uh everybody thought the USA would be there probably against Mexico not going to be but Mexico will be and they'll be playing of course Jamaica uh the reggae boys, as they're now being called. So fascinating Gold Cup tournament, to say the least. And now, as my former co-host, Lemont Williams from Outside the Huddle, likes to say, it's time to pay some bills, so let's take our break. And next up will be our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. Now you don't have to stay linked to your desktop or laptop. Take Voice America on the go and listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Sports and medicine go hand in hand. Quite simply, if you aren't up to your game health-wise... 
you won't be up to your game on the field. That's where Bruce the Sports Doc comes in. Dr. Bruce Grossinger uses his medical training and experience to bring you a link between sports and medicine. From the latest advances and treatments to discussion behind the injuries of the week, Bruce the Sports Doc and his team of guest experts are here each week to lay it on the line in terms that you can understand. Tune in every Tuesday at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Channel. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment two of All Around Sports. And I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144. Or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And it's that time of the show, and we often have guests join us. And on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And, A.P., how are you doing today? Oh, I'm doing great, John. doing very well. Thank you. That's good. Uh, before we get started with some college football, I just wanted to ask you your thoughts on the British Open. It was a pretty wild one over the long weekend, shall we say. Yeah, it was amazing to watch that, and... Uh... You know, I, I think the fans of golf in the last couple of months, or they've gotten their money's worth by watching all these tournaments. It's just been f- fantastic finishes. I guess you can, if you wanted to, you know, define these these moments. Yeah, there's nothing like history on the line, and we certainly had it on uh, Monday and throughout the weekend uh, as Jordan Spieth attempted uh, a calendar Grand Slam, and. It just made for riveting, riveting theater, riveting viewing, and, uh, you know, it had everything. Crazy weather, controversy with them moving the final back to Monday, and then just, you know, really five straight days of, you know, just high drama due to the Jordan Spieth situation. And what can, you know, what more can you ask of the guy? He, he took it to his final putt on the final day, you know, with a, with a chance at the Grand Slam. He... He didn't make it, and 17 really did him in with the bogey, but uh, it was great theater all along the way. So I, I, I know there's been some people, you know, saying he choked, but I think that's utterly ridiculous. Uh, he was right there with the final putt of the final day, as I said. You can't ask for anything more than that. No, John, I mean, you always don't make the putt. Uh, it's not a matter of choking. You just miss the putt. I mean, you miss a shot at the end of the game. You you miss a throw in the fourth quarter. Uh, you know, you, you you hit the ball to the third baseman, a great shot, and he catches it, makes a fabulous play. Those things happen in sports. It's 
you know, unscripted drama. And when you get down to that last moment, if someone's competing for a championship and something doesn't work out in their favor in the end, I, I'm, it's rare for me to use that word choke. Very rare. And I would never associate. I almost feel guilty using it in the context of saying he didn't choke. Just merely uttering the word is bizarre. And I'll use a, what a good analogy for me, like Paul Pierce watching him for years and years with the Celtics through bad times and good times. Uh, he took many, many, many last shots. He didn't make them all, but he made enough. And he continued that in Washington, as we all well remember from uh, his, his big shot in the playoffs in Washington, where uh, he, he uttered the famous line right afterwards uh, to Chris Broussard, uh, you know, I got game. And, uh, I called game, that's what he said, and never in a million years would the word choke ever be associated with Paul Pierce, despite the fact, you know, he missed many last, shot, last shots, and he also made many, and the Los Angeles Clippers brought him on board again to play under Doc Rivers for the simple reason that when they get into a, you know, that he hits one, maybe two last-second playoff shots, to win games. It's just that simple. That's why they brought him on board. And, you know, that's why Washington brought him on board. And he actually delivered what they paid him for. That The one shot he made paid his salary for the whole year, if you think about it, in my mind. And then he almost did it a second time. He made the shot, but it was a split. And I mean split second after the buzzer sounded. So, or he would have been, really been like... Uh, <laughs> An all-time, you know, an all-time clutch legend. But he's still, without that, he's still clutch. That's what he's known for. But again, like Jordan Spieth missing a putt, the fact he got there, you know, was, uh, in my mind, you know, was enough, more than enough. Yeah, they're not layups, John, those things. Those Correct. Putts. I mean, right. it's a different situation. Yeah, maybe shorter distance, but there's nothing that is... That is uh, absolute in golf. I mean, when you have those greens, it just doesn't happen. I mean, the greatest golfers in the world miss putts. Correct. And when I think of Jordan Spieth, first thing that comes to mind, because he has all facets of the game, but as we all know, none are considered, no part of his game is considered the best in the game, driving, chipping, putting, whatever. But he's very, very good at all of them. But when I think of Jordan Spieth, I think of him routinely <clears throat> banging home 8- to 12-foot putts which is unbelievably difficult because four-foot putts are unbelievably difficult uh, on that stage, yet he routinely bangs home putts from distances twice that length, and you just expect him to make it. When he doesn't, you're surprised, and that is really something we haven't thought you know, about much for any player ever. No, he, he's going to win a lot of tournaments, John, and uh, this this is not going to scar him in any way. I don't believe he's just too too good of a player, and he'll have a fabulous career down the road. And he's already shown so much promise. Yep, he's you know truly the all-American boy by all accounts. Very grounded. He does just great interviews. It's not you know player speak. It's real genuine. You know, answers, comments, perspective, and, uh, you know, I, I think what he did was just great for golf. And, uh, 
you know, had he won, I mean, to say that, you know, we <laughs> might have finally had, you know, the successor to Tiger because, you know, the build up to the PGA would have been so off the charts. It would have just been incredible to witness. Yeah, I mean, they'll have uh, this next tournament to look forward to, the country, and, you know, Jordan Spieth, my goodness, everybody should be, everybody should should have such a bad day. Exactly, exactly, <laughs> well said. Um, yeah, I mean, the whole tournament, I mean, you, you know, I'll tell you, it was a disappointment because he just was right there, but he really fell apart on Sunday, I believe it was, was Dustin Johnson. You know, I talked last week on the show about, you know, Jordan Spieth and Dustin Johnson played the first couple rounds together, and they were just, you know, back and forth with the lead and whatnot. And then Dustin Johnson really, really went high on Sunday and just took himself right out of the tournament. Uh, you know, that was like, you know, before that, I mean, I thought we, you know, a lot of people were thinking, myself included, like we could have a recreation of the U.S. Open, which was just a couple of weeks ago, where those two dueled to the finish and. Johnson, of course, had the now famous three putt on the final hole, 72nd and final hole. But uh, alas, not to be. But again, just lots of uh, yeah, just lots of drama over the course of five days. I mean, it just doesn't get any better than that. And the weather was just, you know, extra crazy. Yeah, and maybe this is something that that does play on his mind. These these finishes and these, you know, fourth day collapses. So. I think that he, that's something he's going to have to improve upon if he's he's going to win the championship. I agree wholeheartedly, AP. Uh, well, you and I both love our golf tournaments, and uh, I found it interesting to note, and this is sort of a heads up for golf lovers everywhere, that uh, just got an email yesterday from the Travelers, which uh, I and you have covered the past number of years, and... Uh, that they moved the tournament to the first week of August. And what it has to do with, it's immediately following next year's PGA, which is in New Jersey. Uh, and it typically, for years, has followed the U.S. Open. Uh, but the reason is very simple, because of the Olympics, uh, where golf is going to be a competitive sport. Uh, if not for the first time ever, for the first time in a long time. And... Uh, so yeah, I just found it interesting. So I, I, you know, I hadn't thought about it before. I'm guessing not a lot of people had, but you know, I guess the Olympics golf over two weeks down in Rio will create some uh, schedule adjustments, which again is something I didn't know until this email popped in my inbox yesterday. Yeah, it was surprising. I, I, I noticed that right away. I was thinking, gee, I'm so used to that tournament being in in June, and right and now it's, it's moved there to August, but. Maybe that can help him with that other tournament being very close in New Jersey, so maybe that'll be a plus for him next year. Well, that that was my first thought. Great minds think alike. <laughs> you, you know, that's exactly what was my first thought. It's uh, it's right down the road in New Jersey, literally very drivable, uh, and no pun intended, <laughs> as in driving your car, not drive off the tee. Uh, you could easily just few hours drive right up 95 and you're there and uh so yeah i, I mean on one hand you know it's a, a bit of a bummer to again just be placed right behind a major which has been their their fate 
even though they do great crowds. They do the best. They do the best with that week that I think you could possibly ever do. And uh, you know, again, and you know, in light of a major, but uh, but yeah, in this next year, and it might be. A, I assume it's going to be a one-year thing based on reading the email. Uh, next year, it could really work to their advantage. Yeah, reading the email, they're going to return to that June spot in 2017, right. so it'll be back to their normal normal uh, time of year. But, no, that, that, that's something. And, and, John, when you have someone come to the tournament for the first time, which may happen next year, they may enjoy themselves so much they'll be a regular. So it's not only uh, takes into consideration 2016 but beyond. Correct, correct. And I know that, like, you know, uh, I mean, I, I've been there for the interviews of the players coming from the U.S. Open and whether it be, you know, Chambers Bay in the state of Washington or California, Pebble Beach, for instance. You know, these players have often just flown across the country and, and they all like to take the, a lot of them like to take a break after a major. Uh, but, you know, they get amazingly good attendance at their event but i i think next year is you, you know uh gonna work out quite well for them i really think it's just gonna be a, a nice easy uh transition from new jersey right up to connecticut uh for that for that tournament yeah i think there'll be future dividends if they can uh, promote this properly to the players exactly exactly and just to touch quickly on another event that you and I are very familiar with. We've covered that one together. I'll be covering the WNBA All-Star Game tomorrow, again at Mohegan Sun. Star-studded lineups, uh, obviously, across the board. Uh, and, you know, looking forward to it. Uh, it's going to be on ABC at 3.30 tomorrow. So uh, it's going to be a big day down in, of course, Connecticut. Yeah, John, that's an excellent event. The folks in Mohegan, they know how to promote and uh, put on uh, the All-Star game. They've done it many times in the past, and you'll see all the top players from around the league. And I I like it that it's on a Saturday. I like the fact that the game is played on a Saturday and not on a weekday and gives all the people a chance to come down to Mohegan, enjoy the facility, and then see uh, great basketball. Absolutely. It's going to be great. Again, it's on ABC Network at 3.30 tomorrow, Eastern Time. Uh, And I just see where ESPN is going to be perched there, doing a lot of live live work. Uh, They do a great job with the WNBA, of course, right down the road uh, from in Bristol um, from the Mohegan Sun. So they're going to be on site. So, yeah, so... They're going to be extensive coverage all day tomorrow. It's going to be great. Uh, So, yeah, looking forward to it. And uh, can't wait. So, yeah, it's going to be great. I'm particularly looking forward to seeing Elena Deladon, uh, as I've called her, the female Larry Bird. And I can't wait to see her again. I've seen her a couple times. But always look forward to seeing her in particular. Yeah, John, she's a player that I was not sure she – that her body frame and her strength would, you know, would stop her from being the top talent in the league. And she surprised me quite a bit. And she's coming on, coming on very strong. And, you know, I think she's only going to get better through the years. And I would say she has that Larry Bird type ability and style of play. Absolutely. Should be fun. And, uh, 
hard to believe we're already uh, at the end of this segment, but we have really what is seismic news in college football, and we're just gonna we're gonna get to it on the other side of this break. out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. Do you love sports talk? Can't get enough sports talk? Have we got a show for you. It's about the NFL training camps, Super Bowl previews, a look at the new starting quarterbacks, and weekly key injuries. We'll take your calls and emails right on the air. Former Philadelphia Eagle James Loving is your host, and you never know who'll drop by for a co-host spot or an interview on the spot. Tune in to Loving That Sports Talk with James Loving every Wednesday at noon Pacific time 3 p.m eastern time on the voice america sports channel get the news on our shows and other happenings by following us on twitter find us at voice america trn or twitter.com forward slash voice america trn You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to segment three of All Around Sports, and I'm your host, John Inglesby. To join the show, the call-in number is 1-888-346-9144, or you can email me at iir at comcast.net. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And A.P., you and I both cover and love college football, and yesterday... A report came out that was, you know, in my mind, just seismic news uh, that Braxton Miller, probably the best quarterback in college football two years ago of Ohio, for Ohio State, uh, was quoted as saying that he was going to play wide receiver and return kicks for the Buckeyes this coming year. Of course, they have two other quarterbacks that we all know well, JT Barrett and Cardell Jones, so there was the famous three-quarterback horse race, but huge news. What are your thoughts? John, I don't think I can recall a situation like this in college football. I mean, do you? I just can't recall anything where a team had three quarterbacks. All of them were all-star caliber simultaneously in the same year. <laughs> so Exactly. Yeah. So Braxton Miller, he's going to make that that switch to the H back, and I think the interesting part of this is the fact that all these voices are talking at once, and so you don't have a clear picture of what the final outcome will be. But it's leaning towards him not playing the quarterback position this year. 
Correct. And again, it was a, a report that came out. Urban Meyer basically uh, did not, you know, confirm it in my mind. He, he said, you know, it's, he kind of hedged it a little bit and said, you know, it's a topic, but he, he didn't say it was absolute. But again, I'm going to repeat what I said just a moment ago. Braxton Miller may have been the best quarterback in the country two years ago. This is how huge this news is. But, you know, things happen, as we all know, especially in the world of sports. And lo and behold, he, get, he gets hurt. JT Barrett shows up. All of a sudden, he, I mean, hi, quickly, Braxton Miller was the Heisman favorite going into last year before he got hurt. JT Barrett fills in, and all of a sudden, he's being mentioned for the Heisman. He gets hurt near the end of the season, and... Cardell Jones shows up and wins the Big Ten Championship game. Then, uh, of course, beats Alabama and beats Oregon, and they win the national championship, and it's one of the great – he was, the quote, the third stringer, and it was one of the great three-game stretches in any <laughs> sport in sports history, period. <laughs> I can't think of a better one, John. Yeah, and having had the good fortune to be out there in Dallas for, you know, that weekend, and uh, as, as were you, you know, and I happened to stay across the street from the Ohio State Hotel, both the team and all the fans, and, uh, you know, it was, it really helped put it in perspective for me, like, like you know, the unbelievable ride they were on with the th- with this third-string quarterback, like, they were getting, they were living that story over the course of a month or so versus the rest of the country who was, you know, pretty fascinated with it. But, you know, Buckeye fans were mesmerized by it. Like, again, they were, you know, one of the great sports stories literally of all time, if you think about it. Uh, so it really, you know, made quite an impression on me about the history we were witnessing. And then, you know, we witnessed that Monday night uh you know, at AT&T Stadium in Dallas when he finished the job. Yeah, John, it was incredible. He did not just make a play here and there. I mean, he was he was excellent all those three games. I mean, 59 to nothing, Wisconsin in the Big Ten title game, and then they beat up on Alabama. Of course, he had, you know, tremendous uh, running back production on all, in all those three games, and then they just wore out. Oregon, really, it wasn't even close. Uh, so, I, like I said, I've never seen anything like it—a third-string quarterback come in there and have three games in succession, and his team wins the national championship. He's a legendary figure forever uh, with the Buckeye fans. Right? You know, it was so big that he's now LeBron James's buddy, uh, <laughs> fellow Ohio State, but fellow Ohio buddy. But you know. And to take it a step further, for him to do this uh, during the first ever college football playoff, meaning it was under the brightest light in the history of college football. And I mean, you were at the, you know, you covered the win over Alabama, which was, again, a, a stunning upset by any standard. It really was. I mean, much, much more so than winning the national championship. I mean, Alabama was clearly favored and you just didn't. Even though he had won 59 nothing, you know, a few weeks before that in the Big Ten championship game, uh, 
you know, doing against Alabama and what was literally the, you know, right, the first ever semifinal weekend right after Florida State had lost to Oregon in the Rose Bowl venue. It was just, uh, you saw the, the real history. He was, he was amazing that night under the brightest of bright lights. Yeah, John, that's the best way to describe that moment. That was the first time in the Nick Saban era that his team really looked, um, you know, defeated in that last quarter. They they couldn't do anything with Ohio State, and, and he, he was one of the main reasons besides that running back. Uh, Ezekiel so, Elliott. Right. And, uh, you know, he, to, to me, I think the, the MVP for Ohio State really was the offensive line in those last four games, I think, because Correct. they just dominated. I mean, and, John, people, you know, we're coming upon the season now. Maybe we talk about the Heisman Trophy. Well, they beat the, the three Heisman finalists in the last three games, beginning with uh, the running back from Wisconsin, then Amari Cooper, and then Marcus Mariota in the last game. I don't think that's ever been done. Exactly. Melvin Gordon from Wisconsin. And, uh just refresh my memory. I, like JT Barrett got hurt in the Michigan game, right? And then Cardell Jones relieved him during that game, or yeah, I think that's the way it, way it happened. Uh, yeah, the John, details are a little. Yeah, I can't remember exact details of that, but you know. Yeah, that, yeah, it, it it was during that game, and it was determined it was a broken ankle. Correct. Exactly. And so that was that Michigan game, and. Here you are, you're trying to win a championship, and you're thinking, oh, my goodness, you know, all your hopes have been dashed against your rival. And uh, here, here comes this quarterback off the bench and, and helps him win the game. Right, and let's not forget, Ohio State was scraping and clawing to be named the fourth team in the playoff because they had lost earlier in the year at home to Virginia Tech. And... So they were climbing an uphill battle all year. And, you know, human nature being human nature, I remember thinking, uh, as we were all just hyper-analyzing who was going to be the final four, that, you know, that the committee might view it. And I think we might have talked about it on the show, like, you know, just that bringing a team in with a third-string quarterback, you know, it was like against Alabama, of all people. You know, I think there was some thought that it could be an absolute blowout by Alabama, that, like, he might just, that Cardell Jones would just simply freeze up, you know, on the big stage, which was that semifinal game down in the Sugar Dome, or, you know, down in New Orleans, the Mercedes Dome, uh, Ben's Dome. Uh, it didn't happen. Not only did it not happen, the exact opposite occurred. He, he came up bigger than big. Yeah, John, and, and I think that, that 59 to nothing with what launched Ohio State as the fourth team. Uh, because, because the committee, you know, when they're looking at the overall big picture, they're reviewing your roster. And if you had a third-string quarterback in there that was struggling and maybe Ohio State won that game 17-14 to 14 on a last-second field goal, let me ask you this question, John. Do you think they would have been the fourth team? Perhaps not. No, I mean, you know, again, I'm sure no committee member would ever admit to this, but, you know, it was out there that, you know, the fact that, you know, one of the first two semifinal games ever in the history of college football by, you know, 
picking Ohio State and their third string quarterback that had he, you know, and he, he had longer than normal time to think about it. I think it was about, you know, three weeks, you know, if not longer, that he could have just froze up that night. Alabama blows him out. And instead of the great Cinderella story, we have, you know, uh, just a blowout, i.e. lower ratings. Well, let's not forget, ESPN broke ratings records that night, New Year's night. Um, there, there was a lot at stake when you think about it, and Cardell Jones was right smack in the middle of all of it, but you're right, the 59 nothing really, uh, I think, just gave them what they needed to justify Ohio State. Let's, of course, not forget Baylor and TCU were jockeying strong contenders for that fourth spot. Uh, and I believe they basically canceled each other out because they were in the same conference without us that did not have a uh, conference championship game. That's what I think happened. Yeah, I think in the minds of people, you heard those whispers about the championship game, which I, I don't agree with because when you play every team in your league, that is a true champion. And, I agree. You know, and I, so, and I've, I've, I, under, I think, I believe I understand that process of how you're supposed to look at the records. It's who did you play, where did you play him, and what was the outcome? It has, it has, there's no caveat in there to say, well, this team played a championship game. We're going to give them extra credit. It's just another game on the schedule, and that's your entire body of work. Now, if, you're, if, if Baylor or TCU, you don't believe in their body work, fine. That's the reason you should vote another team into the playoff system. But... To have somebody come back now and just say, well, the other teams played a championship game, you're penalizing the Big 12, I don't agree because that's not really the criteria of the process. Correct. And you're right. I agree with everything you're saying. But, you know, we're also saying the flip side of that coin is that, you know, the Big Ten championship game and the fact that it did turn out 59 nothing may have been the impetus for Ohio State actually getting in there. So it's an interesting, you know, argument, to say the least. Oh, yeah, John, there's no question it was the performance of Ohio State and the performance of that third-string quarterback. I mean, his name will live in infamy, you know, because when when you have these different committees and they're reviewing reviewing the replacement player, they're going to think back, well, Ohio State had Cardinal Jones, and he came in there, you know, Cardinal Jones, and did a great job, so... It can be done, so let's not discount a team because they have a replacement player at, at the quarterback position. Exactly, exactly. Uh, it was a bold move. Uh, you know, it was high drama, lest we forget. And I've got to tell you, AP, this is really getting me excited about college football. It's like here, like it's <laughs> just six. I think it's six weeks from like now that, that they're actually going to play games. I'm sure you're every bit as excited as me, and. Uh, you know, we're already talking about it, and, you know, it's happening in earnest, it feels, already. Yeah, John, it's, it's, a, it's a fabulous time of year. It's my favorite time of year, and I always tell people, you know, I, I, can, I can wait because it's like wishing your life away, but it's a, it is a great part of your life. <laughs> it sure is. Well said. And with that, let's take our final break, and we still have uh, a few more things to get to on the college football front on the other side. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America. 
America Sports. Now you can take your favorite Voice America radio program with you anywhere. Sign up for our mobile app if you have an iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. The Voice America interactive radio player, powered by Aircast, gives you the freedom to listen to any of our programs anywhere, live, and on demand. No registration is required. Listen to your favorite Voice America hosts and discover new ones. Download the Voice America mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry, powered by Aircast. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Check your feelings at the door and enter the Man Cave. Don't let the name fool you, because we're here for anybody that wants to talk and listen in. Hosts J.D. Harris and Ray Austin are here to lead the forum from the fans, former players, owners, execs, and coaches. While inside the Man Cave, you do whatever you like. We won't judge. We'll even go beyond sports to talk technology, current events, and entertainment. Tune in every Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Find out what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. You're listening to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Become a part of today's show by calling 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or by sending an email to iir at comcast.net. Now, back to the show. Voice America listeners, welcome back to the fourth and final segment of All Around Sports. I am your host, John Inglesby. And back on the line with us is our weekly call-in expert, A.P. Stedham of Bama Magazine. And before we get started, my pick of the weekend for appointment viewing is two this weekend. Uh, tomorrow, the WNBA All-Star Game, 3.30 on ABC, 3.30 Eastern Time. And then on Sunday night at 7.30 Eastern Time, the Gold, the Gold Cup Final from a sold-out Lincoln Financial Field in Philadelphia. So... Between Jamaica and Mexico. So, AP, we were talking uh, a lot of college football, specifically Braxton Miller, the Ohio State's run last year, and ultimately the new college football playoff system, which is uh, entering year two with four teams and uh, the committee. Um, Heard a lot of coaches interviewed this week. Uh, we are in the season. We're in the media days. I'll be covering the American Athletic Conference annual football media days down in Newport, Rhode Island, uh, a week from Monday and Tuesday, uh, so 10 days away. Uh, you covered SEC media days last week. There's been a bunch more. I think Big 12 was this week. Anyway, what I've been hearing consistently is, number one, everybody loved it, the first one. Uh, that we just had with Ohio State winning it all. And uh, a lot of people would like to see it go to an eight team, which I think is uh, clearly going to be in the the near future. Three to five years would be my guesstimate. So what are your thoughts on uh, where it might be headed? Yeah, John, I guess this contract runs for, what, another 12 years or so, whatever the number is. It's over 10 years, but... I think I'm really in favor of the four teams, and I because I, I want to see high quality, um, you know, games through the year, through, throughout the year, and I don't I don't want to have it be like basketball where you have a maybe 
two, three loss team maybe will be in the playoffs because let's say you have eight teams. Let's say some of the criteria is we're taking the conference champion. Well, I don't know, maybe you get a league that one team's undefeated on one side, another team has two, two, three losses on the other side, and the three-team loss wins. Well, then it's then then it's bad. then you've got college basketball. You can have like a North Carolina State team with Jimmy Valvano, where they had ten, eleven losses, won the championship. That that's a that's a different system. I mean, and then it becomes a war of attrition. If you could hang on for what is it, fifteen, sixteen games, and I, I just believe four teams is enough. You have to make a hard decision with the committee, and another issue that will arise if they go to that eight teams is how will you fit it into the academic calendar year because you can't have a game before let's say new year's eve um you know that's some of those schools are still having exams right up until maybe the 18th 19th or something like that and there's a and you say well the other leagues the, the other uh, levels have 16 teams well, but they don't have the media commitment and the fan commitment to travel to these places like the FBS level does. So I just believe four teams, four high-quality teams playing for the championship is enough. You make a great argument. You really do. I think from the moment I heard it, you know, I've, as you know, been in favor of eight. I, I think it's going to go to eight, depending on just sort of how it pans out the next couple of years. Uh but, you know, just sitting here today, I think within three to five years, uh, it will end up as eight teams. I think it's just, uh, it's a bonanza of epic proportions like American sports has never seen. If you're talking eight teams, I think it it's below the number that the NFL has. I think it, eight preserves the regular season, which is literally the foundation of football in general, uh, but certainly college football in particular. And, uh, you know, I'm a big believer that, you know, when it comes to uh, the kind of money we're talking about and the level of interest that will just sweep the nation, um, that, you know, they'll, they'll figure out the calendar. <laughs> you know, Christmas might take a hit, but, uh, yeah. you know. might have to wait. They'll figure it out. And what I hear, here's what I've always felt, rightly or wrongly, <laughs> in my gut, AP, I've always felt that the way it was set up originally with, correct me if I'm wrong, four bowl games, I believe, are in the mix. Like last year, it was, you know, the sugar and the rose. And then this year, it's, I believe, the peach and the orange. I always felt it was set up so that if they went to eight, they would already have those four bowl games in place. And I always felt that was like right. reason. Right. reason. Yes. Yeah, somebody had vision in that equation. You're absolutely correct, John. It's all in place to have the eight teams. And, and John, even though I favor four, I tend to agree with you that it will move to eight. I don't think it'd be in a couple of years, but maybe, you know, three to five, as you mentioned, possibly, but they're going to play this system out a few more years. And the reason you're hearing some of the pundits are talking about, well, what if a blue blood team, let's say last year Oklahoma was left out of that Big 12 instead of a TCU right. or a Baylor. But, John, you know, in the past, uh, teams have been let, left out. I mean, 
I think people have short memory now Correct. In, in, in the world, okay? And you recall that uh, LSU played in New Orleans, and the coach was Nick Saban, and he played against Bob Stoops of Oklahoma, Bob Stoops of Oklahoma and they played in the that Sugar Bowl for the championship in USC. They got part of it, and so did LSU one year. Yeah, and as I've said many times on this show, I grew up in the Shadow of Beaver Stadium selling Cokes at Penn State games as a kid, and everybody connected with Penn State, myself included, feel that we uh, trademarked the be- the being left out <laughs> thing in college football, going back to uh, 1968, 69 time frame. So, you know, in the old Lambert Trophy days and Eastern college football not being as good and on and on and on. Yes, so, yes, yes. I, whether it's a four team and five and six get left out in this, in last year's case, TCU and Baylor, or whether it's eight, nine and 10 will be, very unhappy. They'll never be, you know, if you had a 60-team playoff. Well, you, the NCAA basketball, you have 64 teams and, of course, uh, six, 68 with the play, uh, play in. And trust me, 69 and 70 are very upset. Was it two years ago that SMU, who we follow very closely with the American Athletic Conference, was left out? And yes. In basketball, and Larry Brown, their coach, remember how disappointed they and we were? I was extremely disappointed because they had a very good team and, and exactly. some some top level talent um, in, right. in the year. And uh, but you, but you're right. I, I think I think the biggest voice who will get left out and the biggest um, you know the, the team that's going to really change everything is when they leave an SEC team out. <laughs> exactly. I think, that, I think that's what will happen. Absolutely. AP, we've just scratched the surface. I got the feeling we're going to have this conversation many, 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 many times over the coming months and years. Um, but hard to believe we're at the end of the show. But this was uh, this, frankly, just whetted my appetite now for the college football season. I'm going to be jumping. You've already jumped in with both feet. <laughs> SEC Media Day. I'll be jumping in in about ten days when I go to AAC Football Media Days in Newport, Rhode Island. So, thanks again, as always, for your perspective, AP. Hey, John, it's always my pleasure. Look forward to the next time. Me too as well, and thank you all for listening to All Around Sports, and we look forward to doing it again next Friday at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks again for tuning in to All Around Sports with your host, John Inglesby. Be sure to tune in again next Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Time, 1 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Have a terrific weekend, and we'll talk sports again next week.